What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoorah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Welcome to this week's episode of Bad with Money. I'm Gabby Dunn, your host. This week, we have an incredible episode. I'm so excited about this one. Uh, as many of you know, my mother, Karen Grainer, is a divorce attorney, divorce and child custody attorney. And we wanted to have her come on to talk about prenuptial agreements. And then we thought, let's have her come on and be interviewed by both me and my fiance, Mal, who sometimes joins us on this show. Because what's scarier than getting married to someone whose mother is a divorce attorney? Almost nothing, I think. Definitely has scared a few people I've dated, but not Mal. So if you've ever wanted to hear two people who are about to get married to talk to one of those people's divorce attorney mother about prenups, this is the episode for you. Also, some really great things happen in this episode. I learned something shocking about my parents, and we hear some really intense and, and wild stories from my mom's uh, 40 years as an attorney. Buckle up, because you're not going to be expecting any of this. Mom, why don't you introduce yourself and say how long you've been a divorce attorney for? Hi, I'm Mom, better known as Karen Grainer. I've been an attorney for 42 years. I've been doing divorce probably for about 35 of that. Okay, Mal's shaking in their boots right now. <laughs> I this is this is already. I love you. Mal. I love you. This is this is already a fever dream. Yeah, you're okay, Mal. Future Mal, go to past Mal. Future Mal, you are engaged, and your partner's uh, mother is a divorce attorney of 35 years, and um, one of your jobs is to interview her on a podcast. <laughs> Like, it doesn't sound yeah, real. Yeah, people get very nervous when I say my mom's a divorce attorney. Um, Mom, what made you want to go into divorce and child custody? I didn't. Right. I began, <laughs> yeah, really, I began in criminal law and uh, worked for a criminal attorney. I did six months with an internship, met an attorney who was a well-known criminal attorney in Florida, and went to work with him. Um, he was doing criminal law. And when I got sworn in, I had established connections with all of these judges on the benches. So I was inundated with a, a bunch of cases special public defender cases, which are cases that you don't get paid for initially. And it's people who need a public defender, but there's a conflict of interest. So they pull an attorney from the community to come in and represent the co-defendant. And I did a bunch of those. That led me into abuse, dependency, and delinquency cases, which, as you know, Gabrielle, were very tough. Mm -hmm. And from there, I got into divorce. I mean, it was just a natural progression. So, um, so then the criminal cases, I stopped doing those. And I stopped doing the specific dependency and delinquency cases. In 1980, a case called Kenneth Harris came out in Florida, and it became clear that you really needed to specialize if you were going to do divorce work. So that's when I really started to specialize after a couple of years and got a mediator's license, did mediations for a long time, and uh, wound up doing primarily divorce work after that. What case? It's called Kanakaris, C-A-N-A-K-A-R-I-S. It came out in 1980. Oh, and it made people need to specialize if they were doing divorce? It took the field of divorce and made it become more specialized. It defined terms 
um, more succinctly, it, it really, it really zeroed in on all the different aspects of a divorce that had, for the most part, been up to a judge's discretion. I mean, you went before a judge with a divorce and you, you know, it was whatever they felt was, was fair. And it determined that, um, assets were pursuant to equitable distribution, which meant that that's how assets were divided. What was equitable distribution? So it really, it really defined a lot of the law that had not been defined before. Got it. So you started as a criminal attorney and you went into divorce law. Do you find um, that those two avenues sometimes intersect, <laughs> sometimes intersect a la Tony and Carmela Soprano getting a divorce? Oh, my God. Yes. Um, and, and more ways than one. I mean, I've been in situations where there's been physical fighting in the hallway. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Between spouses who are going sure. to divorce. Sure. I've been through situations where um, spouses have snuck into a house that the, my client had primary f- physical possession of and torn up everything, Ooh. cut all the wires. <gasps> We've had lots of horror stories of judges or attorneys uh, being killed. I Whoa. was in one divorce case, no names, where I came in because the divorce attorney whose office was across the street from me had been murdered. And you were and like, I want that the, case. Well, <laughs> what happened was I got a call from a friend of mine who happened to have been a magistrate. And he said, this woman really needs representation now. But her husband keeps murdering her attorneys. Right. I, Talk to dad. You know, I, you know, what was I going to do? I talked to dad and I took the case. What year was that? 2006, 2007. Okay. So I'm in high school. <laughs> yeah. He went away for murder. Wow. Growing up with you, and also I worked as a, a answering the phones at your office. One thing that happened was when I worked for you, I was like 15, and a woman came in and she got divorced and you guys were celebrating. You were going out for a drink. And that was the first time I had ever contemplated that a divorce could actually be happy. That people, and I asked you, I remember oh, yeah. being like, why is she trying to like pop champagne about the divorce? <laughs> Guess she got a nice settlement. I've had one of, one of dad's friends had a huge party and I was, and, and that was a great case because the uh, ex-spouse was a nail tech and I hired a private investigator to go get manicures. What? And to elicit, you can do that? elicit information. Yeah. Because they said they couldn't work. And so I sent, I had a client of mine who, she was a client, but she was also a PI and she went and got manicures. And after weeks and weeks of getting manicures, elicited a bunch of information. And um, yeah, we got the divorce. So so at the end, he had a big party. Part of being a divorce attorney is running stings? My tag said T-H-E lawyer. T-H-E, so, oh, the lawyer. The lawyer. At yeah. his party, because yeah, you wow. were the one who had done all this. Yeah, my mom's constantly, listen, there isn't anyone in my family who's not running scams and hustles and cons at all times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a little more involved than your dad's golf hustles, though, frankly. Yeah, a little bit Yeah, more. a little more. So you had always sort of instilled in me this idea of needing to protect yourself and getting a prenup. And we're going to get to more stories. But what is a prenup? A prenup is a contractual agreement between two intended spouses mm-hmm. that sets forth in specifics disposition of property, future uh, relationships and takes the party's marriage out of the hands of the court, mm-hmm. hopefully. Would you say like roundabout, if you were going to approximate, um, what percentage of your uh, like past clients who you were helping through divorce uh, had uh, prenuptial agreements in place? Very few. The statistics were done by the um, American and Matrimonial Association in I think it was 2016. And Five percent of people have prenups. What? So, yeah, five percent of people have prenups. There's the the belief that prenups are for people who have money, and prenups are for people who have who are just wealthy, and that's yeah. not true. That's just not true. Tell me why it's not true. Because marriages are just so contentious, and they've become so they're they're so horrible. They cost a fortune, so you can spend. No, it's true. You can spend your life savings. 
um, just getting a divorce. And especially if you have children, you know, I've known people who have gone into their kids' college funds and, you know, you're not going to get everything you want. You don't get everything you want in life. So, you know, you use your smarts to do what's your, in your best interests. The other obstacle is attorneys. I mean, I hate attorneys. <laughs> um, most of the time, you know, I would most of the time, depending upon who the attorney was on the other side, I could tell my potential client, you're in for a, a shitstorm. Or, or yeah, we can go to mediation and we can get this settled. So um, it would depend on the other attorney because I, I never felt I was making my life savings, my, my retirement off of any one client, whereas other people were so obnoxious and, and just felt like they had to have this reputation. And, ah. and, you know, it just, to me, it was, you know, let's just help you get through this. Let's do what's in the best interests of the kids you know, and, and move on. But a prenup, a prenup just makes it so much easier because you know what property is premarital, you know what property is going to con- be considered non-marital, and you know what property is going to be considered joint. You also can eliminate issues having to do with alimony. Um, you can eliminate issues having to do with who pays what attorney's fees. But the most important thing, I think, for me was that you eliminate the potential of one spouse going from absolute poverty to, to wealth and vice versa. Because what happened in a lot of instances was that the men ruled the roost, men controlled the money, women weren't allowed to own property, women weren't allowed allowed to have jobs. And so there was a divorce and women were basically made destitute. Right. I mean, look, the Hebrews had the ketubah. Right, right. You know, and that goes back. Yeah. I mean, marital, premarital agreements go back to Egypt. Right, right. And and the ketubah is like a Jewish version of like a marriage license and a and has some sort of prenup stuff in there. But well, you have to provide food necessities. Yeah, right. Yeah, I did not know that. Well, uh, so I was thinking that I mean I'm sure people say I don't need I don't need a prenup because we don't have any money or we don't have any stuff. Whereas like that could change, you know, right. throughout the marriage. It's and then do the you future. get to update your prenup? Well, then it's called a postnup. Mm. Oh, postnup. And there's different rules for postnup. Interesting. I've never had a situation where I've actually amended a prenup. I've never had that situation. You just get a new postnup once somebody like comes into a bunch of money and invents an app or something. Well, hopefully the prenup is going to take care of that situation. So you don't need to amend it. Right. So, you know, that if it's well written and and you followed all of the rules to make Mm. it valid then you don't need to do that. Then it's already established. What goes in there? What 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 do you mean? So like what would a prenup read like for someone, let's say, who's like not a millionaire? Well, first of all, you have to have full and fair financial disclosure. I always made my clients do financial affidavits. Uh, what is a financial affidavit? So a financial affidavit is a lengthy document that sets forth your income, your expenses, Mm. your assets, and your liabilities. Mm. Because if there's not full and financial disclosure, if you think you're going to be smart and you hide an asset and it's later discovered, your prenup's going to be invalid. Has that ever happened? Sure. In the cases that you have been working with clients that have prenups versus those that don't have prenups... How does that look different? And has anyone ever contested the prenup? I've had prenups contested for invalidity in in, in situations where they say, because there has to be, you have to have an opportunity. In other words, you can't sign the prenup as you're walking down the aisle. <laughs> you have to have an opportunity to look into it. I mean, in California, I believe it's seven days. Expectedly, one party is going to prepare the prenup and give it to the other spouse-to-be, and the other spouse-to-be has to take it to be examined. Oh, you don't so, You don't come up with the prenup together? You can. I have done that. On Vanderpump Rules. Uh, they did a prenup what's her together. Name? Katie and Tom went and met with the lawyer together. So that, that's do what that. I was going. Yeah, I was going off of that. I don't propose that as a good situation. 
Oh, no? Mm. No. I don't propose that as a good situation. You have an ethical obligation to your client. Who's your client Mm. if you are doing a prenup for two people? Mm. I've had situations where the other spouse has said to me, I'm not going to hire an attorney. And under those circumstances, I've hired a videographer to tape the signing so that the person who's unrepresented can come back and say, I didn't understand the agreement. I have them go through the agreement Page by page, do you understand everything on this page? Do you understand what you're signing? Do you believe there's been full and fair financial disclosure? So just because they don't have an attorney, they can't come back and say, I didn't know what I was doing. If there is no, um, like if you find an attorney together and there is no, one is not like a preferred client over the other, uh, wouldn't it be like unbiased? No, (laughs) I've had situations where I've had attorneys call me and say, I've had had somebody contact me to do a prenup, will you do the other side? Because they know that I'm not going to just keel over and they know I'm going to do everything by the book and they know I'm going to require the financial information because they want the agreement to be upheld. Because otherwise it's like uh, playing chess with yourself. (laughs) Exactly. And they don't want that. They want the agreement to be upheld. So I've done a couple of agreements with one of Gabrielle's old friends as the other side, their mother as the other side, and um, we've done them together. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. And I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint, and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now, I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances, you can collaborate on your budget, you can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. 
Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining, accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. So because prenups were so normalized to me, it's sort of shocking that only that amount of people have them. I have heard, though, like that people think, too, it's not romantic. That like it causes it, it's it causes if you bring it up like I've because it's so normalized to me like I've brought it up to exes who've been like shocked. Well, the thing is that it's millennials who have really um, that's why it's flourishing now. It's millennials who are doing it. You know, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the romantic side of it. I mean, I think for sure that it adds to the romance because it shows that you trust each other enough to to be honest about what your future is going to look like and to give you the opportunity to in the future say you know although the prenup says you know i made this big album or i did this big tv show and it says i don't have to share anything with you i'm going to buy a house and we're going to put it in both names so for me i would think that it's more romantic because it takes out the contentiousness. Interesting. It says we're entering this with love. Exactly. And we're entering this with trust. Yes. Well, on the other side of things, um, I... <laughs> I love you, just to play, Just to play the heel of the show here, um, obviously we will get a prenup, and I think it's, it's pragmatic um, in this day and age especially. And you mentioned millennials. I think, you know, divorce rates are extremely high. And uh, 60%. they started, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and for me, I think it just makes sense when you are on good terms to decide these things when it's not contentious, right? Exactly. But in the past, um, I think, you know, marriage being sort of uh, this magical thinking and also like tied to religion and it's supposed to be until death. Um, I can see why earlier generations would have bristled at the idea of a prenup because it's essentially agreeing, hey, this might not be forever. Mm-hmm. Well, they can have expiration dates. You can have a prenup. Really? I've had prenups. Yeah, I've had prenups, prenups expire. Um, wow. Our illustrious really? our illustrious former president had a prenup that had, and I've had these as well, where they have schedules um, of alimony. In other words, there's one amount for one year, there's yeah. another amount for the second year, you know, and it increases with the length of the marriage. The, the, the one thing that, that a prenup cannot do is resolve children's issues. Right. Right. And you've dealt with a lot of and that. And I've dealt with a lot of that. The other thing is that it can't, in Florida, so you can waive permanent alimony, you can waive permanent payment of attorney's fees, 
but you cannot waive temporary payment of alimony. And you cannot. What does that mean? In other words, um, when you're going through the divorce process and you split up, and one spouse has been working the whole time and the other spouse has been taking care of the kids, or you cannot say, I'm in the prenup, I'm not going to pay you anything while the divorce is going on. Wow. So I have the ability to hire an attorney. I'm not going to pay you anything to hire an attorney. You can't do that. Right, right. One of the initial things that somebody does in a divorce case is they clean out bank accounts. That's horrible. Before they just start cleaning them out? Sure, sure. I mean, I've had oh, wow. people come to me for pre-planning for a divorce and you say to them, look, I'm not going to tell you to clean out the bank account totally, although other attorneys will. I'm going to tell you at least to take half. But if there are other assets that this other spouse has in their name that they're going to try and hide and protect, then take it all. You know, wow. so, so, yeah. Like if, like if it's like, um, I'm gonna pretend I don't own this boat. Exactly. Start selling the boat's not. Oh, mine. they switch it's my it. Father's. Yeah. Or like when oh my when uh, my my dad was getting a divorce from his first wife, and he just sold everything in his store because he didn't want to have to give her the anything from the from the store from like Wait. their shared ownership of the store. Oh no! If you read my book, Mal, you would know about that. <laughs> I, know, I call I- it the. I know about I know about that because I've heard it. I read it in your book. I've heard it many times from you. And your dad talks openly about the fact that he did that. <laughs> yeah, good for him. Good for him is right. Good for him is right. So for temporary support, how I've gotten around that is I've put it in the agreement, but I've limited it. So in other words, I would say you, you get temporary alimony, but you only get $1,500 a month. You get temporary attorney's fees, but you only get $2,500. So at least oh, it gets the process going. Oh, interesting. So how often do people go through and start doing the prenup process and then end up not getting married? I had mm-hmm. one particular case. She was I, she was my client. She was marrying the son of a major corporate president, major okay. business. And the father was interfering in the agreement and okay. making demands. And I'll never forget, she called me. Grandma was in the hospital. And she called me and sure. she said, I'm not going through with this. Right. <gasps> and let me guess. Was it less about the prenup and more about uh, knowing that this man is going to meddle in your relationship for your entire relationship? And allow and allow your husband to be, to be manipulated. If you can't stand up to your father, you know, at the very mm-hmm. inception for this person, right. then why would you want to get Writing involved in that family dynamic. Larry Blum, my father always said, hey, just so you know, you don't just marry the person, you marry the (laughs) in-laws. That's why you asked Larry at dinner, (laughs) what shouldn't you tell your (laughs) in-laws? Yeah, exactly. So I've had other interesting stories where people have said, I can't find the prenup. I can't find the prenup. Oh, it's missing. It's missing. And your client, for some reason, doesn't have it. And you think the other side does. You know that that's the type of personality that would retain those kinds of papers. And all of a sudden, the other attorney is withdrawing. And that's a sign that she has it. And she's not producing it. Because the other attorney has to recuse themselves if if there's something shady going on. Exactly. So then what? So so all of a sudden, the prenup showed up. Or the spouse says, I never saw that. I never signed that. And then in trial, it comes out. Not only did they sign it once, they signed it twice. Can I ask, like, obviously you go into it with being like, we love each other, we're doing all this stuff. You can't imagine a situation where you would want to hurt the other person. You can't imagine it. And then, like, I've had friends go through divorces where the spouse was like, I'm taking everything. And, like, you would just never think that person would be like that. Um, And so, like, what do you say to someone who would say to you, well, Karen... We would never do that to each other. Good. Then have the agreement and you never have to look at it again. That is good. Uh, That's the um, best agreement. The best agreement is the one that you put in the drawer and you never look at again. I suspect that this is uh, this is just me. I think that if you are married to the type of person who would do something like that, there are signs and red flags well before 
your divorce. That's my personal opinion. But I mean, you don't see the red what's flag. What's the other thing that I've told you that I would always recommend to you before you were getting married? What was it? You're talking about counseling? Yes. Yeah. Counseling. Couples counseling. Because you have to discuss all of these issues before you get married. Who's handling the money? Are you going to have a joint bank account? Um, what bills are going to go through the joint bank account? Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to to buy the groceries? These are things that need to be discussed before you get. Listen, I've always told Gabrielle, there's no such thing as knights in white shining armor. They all belch, piss, and fart. It's two people's lives and two individual people. It's interesting that you can get married so easily and for so little money, but a divorce, like, do you think, how much does putting together a prenup cost? 2,500. It was. 2,500. So that's sometimes out of, it's so weird because, right, that's like out of the price range, but then getting married would be in the price range of some people. Like, it seems like it's, it classes certain people out of being able to do it. Well, you can do it online by yourself. There are agreements Mm. online by yourself. Now, is that valid? Like, what? Yes. What makes it legally binding? Two witnesses in a notary. So you have to get it notarized. Two witnesses in a notary, full financial disclosure, acknowledgement in the agreement that you're of sound mind, you know what you're doing, you know what you're getting into. There's no coercion, no duress. Now here's the thing. Full financial disclosure, for some people, no go. I've met uh, a lot of married couples in my in my research of, uh, of finances that don't know each other's salaries. I don't so really that might know. scare people off. I don't really know your salary. And you never will. <laughs> uh, oh, yes, they will. <laughs> I mean, I know I know when they get paid and, and like, but it changes year to year. You exchange and stuff, tax so. returns. Well, full, I know. And full financial disclosure is probably some people go, never. I don't want it. And, I, and forget it. That's the most scary thing that could ever happen. But then think about what can happen if you don't do a prenup. I mean, then you're in a situation where you hate each other. You're fighting. You may physically abuse each other. You know, you mentally abuse yeah. each other. The kids suffer. I mean, it, it's just horrible what, what I have seen people go through. What if you do the financial disclosure and then you find out that the other person is wealthier or poorer than you well thought. it validates the agreement there's your there's your but hypothetical for you no, gabby I'm what if what people, if while we're getting engaged you look at my tax return and you find out that i'm an heir to a to a massive uh beanie babies marriott fort. a hotel fortune a, like i've a, always assumed a massive beanie babies fortune in your agreement it's <laughs> going to say that you have the potential to inherit this beanie baby fortune and whatever you inherit from this beanie baby fortune or whatever you use stays with you. Ah, but what if I want to share my beanie babies? That's up to you. It's all, it, oh it, it's not money. It's just beanie babies. Well, the- <laughs> yeah, but what if we break up because, but like, what if full financial disclosure, like I've been lying this whole time about how much money I have. Like you have more or less. You'll well, never know. You will if you yes, get divorced. Yes, I will. If you, yeah, right. And if you're going to get divorced and that's one of the grounds, if you find out that this hasn't been full financial disclosure, then that's grounds to invalidate the agreement. Wow. If you, okay, if you make less money than you claim, um, I will still marry you. If you make way more money than you than you said that you make, then uh, yeah, I'll just have to get alimony. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in offshore accounts, so Ooh. good luck. I've, I've put it all in gold and I've buried it. Uh, no, I just can't because I, I mean, thinking about how much stress I was under, even just going through my own financial disclosure, like how much stress I was under doing the PNL to get the, to get the house. The idea that anybody would know my full financial picture was like so devastating to me that like I totally see someone being like, I don't even want my I don't want my spouse to know anything that I have going on. I'm so scared. But if you don't want your spouse to know, then then, you know, why get married? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to money. You know, those little white lies should not be money related. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, no. Yeah. How what's the most like outrageous money situation you've seen or like lie or someone trying to get around something? In a oh, always, or- always. The business belongs to my father, the, the five million dollar business. <laughs> you know, my my dad, he I just manage it. Meanwhile, the business wow. has cars every two years. Right. You know, my father loaned me the money. That's another one. Wow. That sounds difficult to prove. Right. You know? 
And, you know, full financial disclosure also plays into child support and plays into alimony. So, you know, there's no percentage how much you can collect in alimony. 55% is the number that usually is floated around is the, you can get 45%. But, um, but you know, it, it impacts a lot. What is alimony? Let's say that for... What is alimony? Alimony is supposed to be a method for equalizing the incomes of the parties so that they both have the opportunity to live in the lifestyle they enjoy during the marriage. Okay. That's what alimony is supposed to be. First... I want first. <laughs> Mel! But there are tax ramifications with alimony. There's Like what? Well, alimony can be taxed. Um, alimony mm-hmm. can be, uh, I mean, the, the, the IRS code, and I can't even tell you that I understand it because the, the guy who wrote the book, who I love dearly, who passed, um, I couldn't understand. It, it just put me to sleep. I mean, <laughs> so I, I couldn't understand. I would just call Mel, you know, but um, yeah, there's a lot of ramifications with alimony. So if you can divide the assets, if you can buy out an alimony obligation, that's the better thing to do. Right. In other words, then- I'll give you more of the assets so uh, that I don't have to pay alimony. Can you get alimony if you're not actually married? Can you do a prenup if you're not actually prenup married? Prenup doesn't take effect until you're married. It takes effect on the day of the wedding. But what about when you've been cohabitating? Uh, eventually, For like 30 years. you just become legally married, right? Or no, what do they call it? No, no. You're talking about common law? Common law marriage. I, I can't even tell you that that exists anymore, Mel. I haven't looked at that in a oh. long time. But I can't even tell you that exists anymore. But no, there's no presumption that in a common law marriage you'd be entitled to anything. You could just do a contract between you. Yeah. You know, you could do a will. You do a will and a you will. leave something in a will or a trust. Right, but, right, right. Um, not marriage. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Now, if you're not married and you leave something to somebody in a will, uh, it, it will be taxed a lot. Whereas if your spouse is, that's one of the benefits of marriage, right? Well, the benefit of marriage is supposed to be that you're in a better tax bracket, you know, for tax purposes. But yeah, you're, you can claim your kids. You can claim now in Georgia, if you're pregnant for six weeks, you can claim the fetus. What? Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. You say that it's not just for financial. You can put other things in a prenup. What is... What are some examples of of strange things that have been in prenups that you've seen that that are not necessarily financial? Property distributions. I get this picture and this picture and this set of silverware and you get that vacuum cleaner and... um, It's really that specific. Things like that. I take this animal, you take that animal. You know, things that... that Okay, so you you can do animal custody, but not children custody. Yeah, things that you could litigate in divorce, you can really get rid of in a a prenup. So, but except for, you know, kid-related issues. You can say the alimony obligation would increase. So you can be very creative, very creative, you know, that you're going to live an orthodox lifestyle. You can't say that the child's to be raised orthodox, but you can imply that you're going to live an orthodox lifestyle and live subject to the laws of the Torah, which would imply that that was intended for the child. Oh, you can you can't put that designate in there? Stuff. exactly what religion. You can't designate what religion you're going to raise your child in, but if you designate the lifestyle Wait, for yourself, yeah, for though? yourself, you can designate. You can say we're a married couple and wow. we follow that. I just. I had one of my last ones was a Hasidic couple who were getting married in Israel and they wanted a, a prenup here. Uh, you can also say in there, you know, there's a problem with the gets. There are situations where the man won't participate in a get and a woman is tied. Get, yeah. Well, that's why you get Tony Soprano. Yeah. You know, I again, I just want to say to everyone that we are currently watching The Sopranos. <laughs> it's not as though the only references we can make are The Sopranos. It, it's relevant, okay? <laughs> they go... It's and almost they, like they it's- go and they get the get. <laughs> In the okay. Orthodox ketubas, there's no mention of the get. 
in the conservative ketubas, there's a mention of of the get and following the laws of the bet din if the marriage dissolves. I I knew that the ketubah was like a marriage license, but I didn't know that there was like, you know, uh, agreement. It's not recognized by the courts. If you come in and say, we only got married by a a rabbi and I have a ketubah, it's not a valid contract. I was going to say, because my sister uh, got divorced and I'm pretty sure she didn't uh, nullify the ketubah. Yeah. Oh, well, then mm-hmm. Becky's still married. Doesn't really seem like it. <laughs> so I have a question. So there's some things that are very like um, entrenched in the court system that are pretty heteronormative and pretty normative in general. So, for instance, like um, infidelity, stuff like that. Is that a clause you have to put in or is that sort of expected? Like, let's say you're in a relationship that is you don't expect infidelity or, you know, you, you don't care about outside relationships. Would someone be able to then be like, well, I'm charging you with adultery. So I it doesn't it. work that no. way. It doesn't work that way. No. Equitable distribution, community property, you don't take into account an adultery situation unless right. there's been a dissipation of unless marital assets. The- so in other words, I buy a house for a girlfriend. I use marital monies and buy a what? house for a girlfriend. Uh, That's where it comes into play. Whoa. You know, people recognize Damn. that marriages can be bad and people can be together for ridiculous reasons and the marriage still bad. And I mean, you know, they come to me and they say, you know, he bought her flowers. Well, too bad. That's not, you're not going to get the $35 back, you know, that kind of thing. But you look for jewelry, you look for for clothing, you look for plane tickets, you know, vacations, you look for, if you care, you know, if you're well taken care of, you know, you may not care. That's how I feel. Now. So. I am well taken care of, and I don't care when you go on vacation with your other. So it's boyfriend. an interesting question, though, in a heritage, in a in a polyamorous relationship. It's an interesting question because, yeah, That's it might what I'm be wondering. something to address. Might be something new for the court and a pre a prenup to consider. Right, right, because like what amount of money or whatever to to spending on other people is is yeah. is reasonable. Right, because like what if I right I buy a house for for a girlfriend and no. you're like right. I don't like that. Right. No, right, right. <laughs> you know Maybe. it could be that you put in there that you have to get your written permission if it's over a hundred dollars, x amount of money. Oh, that's new. honestly if we remember the your Gucci spending spree night. Oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> but I was but uh, I was Gabby, buying, I was trying to buy it for you, man. And I did not take advantage of you. Gabby was in a elevated state where, you know, uh-huh. they were um, you know, a little manic. They were manic and they were doing that thing where they um they want to give away they want to give away all their clothes and they want to get a tattoo and then they want to online I want shop. To get new clothes. They want to get new clothes and so they were on like the Gucci website and I was like, "What are you doing?" and uh they were like, um, "I said pick what you want I'll buy it for you and then they were like no and then I was like oh is it because you don't want Gucci we could go to YSL we could go to Versace and then Mal was like no I don't feel good about this two weeks later my Gucci boots come Mal's like oh I wish I had Gucci boots and I was like well I gave you the opportunity you gotta take advantage of me when my mental illness is rolling otherwise that you don't reap the benefits right so I didn't want to take advantage of them when they're when they're mental that's a you problem but that in, in that case like you know that is something that would be interesting you know if you're seeing somebody more casually who maybe doesn't care and is like yeah whatever buy me gucci shoes baby or like, put something in the, the prenup that's like pretending <laughs> mental illness well that's the other thing you consider you know is medical bills Right. Yeah, that's the other thing you consider. Ah, you know, medical if there are, bills. If there are medical bills, you don't want uh, a third party to be able to come after your spouse for your debt. So that's another big consideration. How, what it's what you were saying last week, Abby, where sometimes people in their prenup can write that they're not responsible, their spouse is not responsible for their medical bills. So a third party being ah. like the hospital or whatever right. coming after your spouse after your death. Right. You know. Right. Can you put something Which, in there? Like for me, as a bipolar person, though, could I put something in there? Like, I don't know. If I go off my meds, Mal's not responsible 
for something that I do or something like that. I mean, I don't think your spouse is responsible for, you know, your criminal, anyone's criminal activity. Well, that's not necessarily true because. I'm not talking about criminal. That's not necessarily true because if they go off their meds and they kill somebody and that person's family sues them and is looking for assets to attach and you have a house or you have something to that you share Mm -hmm. um then they may be able to touch that those kinds of things interesting yeah this is a great example of the type of thing you would see on an nbc (laughs) procedural interesting so how how would a couple protect uh like, how would somebody protect an asset? Or is that just the risk you run by run. marrying? But you can protect it to a certain extent by keeping assets separately. So if the only thing that you own together is a house, then that would be hopefully the only asset that would be you would be able to touch. You recommend, do you recommend having a joint account or do you recommend people keep their finances separate? You know, your dad and I have individual accounts and we have one joint account that is for certain joint Mm -hmm. bills. And that's how we do certain joint bills. We decide, you know, how much each of us has to put in. I mean, because there's also a a tenant in law that just because you're married and you give $25,000 for repairs for the house and the house is in somebody else's name, you know, the house is in Gabrielle's name. And now you give $25,000 for repairs to the house. You're not necessarily entitled to get that back. Because the house is mine. We have some friends going through something like that right now, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right that it is coming from a place of love and wanting to protect each other. And I'm I'm grateful that I think you and dad are both very pragmatic people. And perhaps that's why you guys have been married. Without for so a prenup. Long. You don't have a prenup. You don't have a prenup. Karen. What? No prenup. I know. Hold on. Isn't that amazing? Hold oh on. my God. This is breaking news. This negates. This is breaking news. This negates I everything. I was Why? the son of a doctor. Why would I want a prenup? You're well, a divorce attorney. Wait, because because Florida state's agreement is a better prenup than anything you would have negotiated. Because like people the say state. if you don't have a prenup, you're, 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 prenup you're subject is to the laws of the state. Laws, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you were in a better position. You know, I, ne- I didn't know all of this. I didn't, right. I didn't realize right. that young. that was, yeah. you know, the smart thing to do. And so when, wow. you know, certain inheritance monies came from my side or certain inheritance monies came from dad's side, we had to make sure that we put it in each other's names because it wouldn't be fair to not do that. You also, I feel that Gabby's talked about this on the podcast before, you reached out to Gabby's ex-boyfriend uh, before his wedding to offer to do his prenup. For free. She tweeted at him. What? Yeah, when he made his announcement <laughs> that he was getting married, I said, if you want to prenup i'll do it tweeted it at him publicly did his did his fiance oh, I don't see know, that? But she was very nice to me when we yeah, met she, yeah sure. she did oh she saw it oh she, she was really? unhappy <laughs> i didn't know that but i think that's in a i think it's funny that i'm the only sibling that you don't have a prenup well she's uh, a divorce attorney she yeah there was, no way, herself, there was no way there was no way dad that's was divorcing true. me he'll tell you that that's his side of the story what he'll tell you is that the first anniversary present he asked me to give him was to rip up the marital settlement agreement that I was constantly dictating in my head. Right, I remember this. I remember this. He said, rip it up, we're not getting divorced. Wait, Mentally rip it up. Yeah, how do you rip it up if it's in your mind? Well, you just stop thinking about the amendments you made to it in your head. They do say that first year of marriage is the hardest. Do you find that's true? Not yet. Why do you think that is? Even if you live together before, there is an emotional component that takes effect, that makes you realize that you really are in this for the long haul and that you really have joined Mm -hmm. with one person and become a unit. And it's no longer just Karen, it's Karen and Mark. That takes Mm -hmm. an emotional toll on you. The responsibility that you feel. I felt that way getting engaged too, where I think also there's a loss of your previous identity, even if it's the the change is positive, you're changing identities. You really don't make decisions for yourself anymore. Well, right. we'll see about your, that, your says you <laughs> and says Mal. And I'll do whatever I want no. till the day I do. Oh, God help you, Mal. It's not a question of control. It's a question of consideration. Yeah, it's affecting. And also consideration, it, that yeah. That there will be a domino effect, right? Your, your, deci- your decisions aren't 
anymore like in a vacuum right i remember thinking that um one time after a breakup i was really sad but i remember being like this is the first time in like five years that like i can decide what i want to do tonight without calling somebody letting them know what i'm doing considering what someone else wants to eat like something like i mean i wasn't happy i stayed home i don't think i did anything but i was like that's very interesting no that's true (laughs) and it used to make mark crazy because i would go out and do things and i wouldn't call for three hours and he was like where you been for three hours you could be lying dead on the side of a street you know and were you like well that's okay but that's the 80s and 90s now mal could just see on instagram that i'm just having a gay old time somewhere you don't check in every three hours it's not like that but you know if if you're not gonna go come home at night or something if you two made it through the pandemic and being with each other all that time then you did well as dita our neighbor dita who passed as she wrote in her journal I don't know how two such know. disparate personalities manage to be around each other 24-7. <laughs> M, and I put it in M, our vows, baby. <laughs> yeah, she said I didn't know what I had, so I had to hold on to you. Dita's point of view was that Gabby, that I guess I was a catch and Gabby didn't appreciate me. <laughs> <laughs> that it was her takeaway, yeah. But her, her bar was on the floor. Mom, so I'll bring you an accusation and you can respond to it. I've often summarized your opinion on my relationships and relationships to say, my mom hates marriage. What would you respond to the allegation <laughs> that my takeaway from you my life say that. was that you hate marriage? No, it's not that I hate marriage. I don't think people understand what marriage is. And they don't take the time Mm -hmm. to put the work in beforehand. And that's the issue with marriage. Right. Because other Jewish mothers, other Jewish mothers are like, oh, your mother's pushing you to marry, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't even, when I got engaged, I was like, I don't know how Karen's going to react, to be honest. She'll be happy, but (laughs) there's a possibility that she'll be like, no. Honestly, honestly, she cried. And I was like, are these positive (laughs) or negative tears? Are these positive or negative? Yeah, we don't know. I was like, honestly, my my mom has never, I was like, every. Every girl is like, my mom, da, da, da. I'm like, my mom has never asked, pushed me to get married, asked when I'm getting married. Honestly, I think she hates it's marriage. Not, it's the so question please. is, are you happy? That's the question. I just believe that people buy into the fairy tale and they just don't. And I did it too. They don't understand the work that goes into a marriage and how to make a marriage last. And I've seen the good sides of people. I've seen marriages that have been really with a good foundation. You know, all marriages go through good times. All marriages go through bad times. You know, it's a lot of compromise. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's really hard. You know, you just don't want to. You don't want to compromise at that minute. It's not about you at that minute. It's about me. And why can't you understand that? So... It's a lot of work. You need to be able to talk about it. And I'm still learning how to do that. So it's hard. How about children? You want to talk about my feelings on children? Never mind. <laughs> maybe another episode. Yeah. Yeah. You're happy we're here, but maybe you would have done it differently. <laughs> I like children, but I don't you like children. necessarily want you to have yours. Yeah. You see? Oh, she doesn't oh, want yeah, me to I have asked, kids. I asked She's Gabby. the opposite of every mom. I asked Gabby the other day when you asked me if we were going to have kids and I sort of was gently trying to be like, I don't think so, but like in a gentle way. And then you got out of the car and I was like, I don't know what the right answer was. And Gabby was like, oh, the right answer was no. Yeah. Gabby's like, she <laughs> wants you to say no. And I was like, OK, because I didn't know. I was not sure. <laughs> but if if there's if there is a future grandkid and they are listening to this in the future, <laughs> grandma, your grandma, grandma you. loves you. Okay, no. oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, my mom. I love, love you. you too. Um, and if you never get married, I'm fine. If you get married, I'm fine. I just I'm glad you're together. Well, we are engaged. We are engaged. I love you both very much. Love you too. This was great perspective. I really thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome, darling. Bye. Thank you so much to my mom for being our guest. You can reach us at GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also send a voice memo to the email if you prefer. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Discord, and Patreon. All the links will be in the description below. If you want to leave us a five-star review, that would be amazing. Uh, Leave a five-star review just for my mom. 
And if you listen to the show the day it drops, we can get on the charts and spread the word. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Bye. Done. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.